It's Monday. The clock shows the time. Come closer. Hear the knock on the door. Welcome to the House of Mystics. Welcome back to the House of Mystics. And this is going to be episode 15. And I know that I, uh, last week, last week, I said that we were continuing with elements, but uh, due to scheduling scheduling, and things like that, we were already scheduled to speak with a guest tonight. So the elements will be moved to our next episode. Which will not be next week. Which will not be next week. That's right. Because witches got to do what witches got to do. And we got to go to the mountains and camping and doing stuff. Yes, we're doing that. So tonight I'm uh, accompanied by Tabitha, Brandy, Blaine, Lisa, and our guests, Brittenhill's lost daughter. And you would would be right for me to call you a Norse practitioner, or uh, would that be inaccurate? It's, it's inaccurate. Well, I started out as a Norse pagan, but mm-hmm. then I found my elder who is. Germanic Anglo-Saxon, and I—that's um, more of like a original take on the beginning of paganism in the you know Indo-European sense for Germanic tribes and stuff like that. So I'm Germanic Anglo-Saxon and Norse. I'm all three, and I learned within all three of those. So okay, okay. So do you want to give us a little about yourself, a little bit of introduction about yourself? Yeah, um, I have been practicing for over a decade. Uh, I, uh, from my Gothi and elder, who's also my mentor, um, I learned a more knowledge base from books and then kind of found myself doing runic work. So I do the runes, which is like Elder Futhark, um, the 24 set, and then. Uh, which changes into Anglo-Saxon, Futhork, which is 32, between 32 and 33, and then Norse, younger Futhark, which is like, those two are like the child of the elder Futhark out of that. Um, I'm a seer, or said there, but uh, what that means is I I collect all the knowledge and then help people find that knowledge, give it to them, and they find their own path. So it's never me telling them what to do, it's giving them what I have, and they, take that and go wherever they want. So you would say guidance? Um, yeah, I'm a spiritual mentor type. That's what I do. And then... Uh, and I also, uh, I'll, okay. on your more mundane life, mm-hmm. you are, uh, it is, uh, I know it was a, either a therapist or a oh, social I was, worker. I was in social work for 12 years. and. So when you help people, you know what yeah. you're doing. That's that's my point. <laughs> I have that background, yeah. I have the, and I have like a criminal justice degree and things like that. So it's it's more of a combination of just wanting to know humans and how to navigate that. Okay. People. I, I like that. I like that because this doesn't only address uh, things mentally, but also spiritually. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a good combo to have. And I've come back to the more spiritual side and want to start doing that full time. So. Yeah, well, uh, Bryn Hill also is one of uh, the house, uh, the Mystic Frog uh, house readers. Yes, absolutely, she is, and she's incredible. So if you want to get a hold of her or come and see her, she's here on 
Fridays. Fridays. <laughs> yeah. I think Thursdays. Fridays. Fridays. Yeah. She's here. She's here on Fridays. And uh, yeah, she is amazing. And you also do uh, ancestral, ancestral communication, yeah, I right? I do ancestral mediumship. Mm -hmm. I hesitate to use that word, but that's what it is. You, you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> Talking to the ancestors through my bone rooms that I have. Okay. So I, I guess the first question that I want to ask, you said um, Anglo-Saxon and Germanic, Germanic, right? So how those two, you know, uh, the Anglo-Saxon Anglo and Germanic, uh, I want to say cross path. So you start in like 200 AD, in the Rhine, so like where the, the river Rhine is in Germany, um, within the, like the Teton areas, uh, you have the Germanic tribes that were in that area along with like the Celtic tribes that usually li lived together because they were at that time trying to avoid the Roman conquerors. And then when the Romans came in, you have like this from west to east to north migration it's called the great migration and you can look it up of when they went out of the, the tetons into like different parts of like siberia and like into like england so like middle english type stuff is where you see how to say it was like 600 500 600 a.d when they go into england and you get the anglo-saxons the angles uh the danes and stuff like that and then they mix their practices with the Middle English stuff. Um, and historically speaking, that's where you pick up like Frey and Frere, and then the Middle English uh, Futhark, which is just a combination of the the Elder Futhark uh, and Etruscan, and then like the Greek alphabet finally starts to play into that. And then from there, you have those religions that they spread out to. Scandinavia, so Norway, Sweden. Yeah. Um, so you, we would say that that is kind of like the like the birth or the origin. Yeah, it's the origin. So you have the Germanic tribes that are the origin, and again, those Germanic tribes practiced differently. They there were no set rules of how each tribe practiced. They all had different gods they followed. As far as like the Germanic sense of like gods, like mm -hmm. Wodenaz and um, Thor. So Donner is what his name is in Germanic. Donner, and then you have... Donner is Thor, Donner in, is Germ Thor. in Germanic. Donner in Germanic. So you have Donner, okay. and his name changes in England to uh, uh, Tor, which is T-O-R. Yeah, it, it sounds like have, Spanish. And then, you, <laughs> and then you change it into Thor from Norse mythology, is where that comes in. Okay. A mixture of all those Scandinavian countries. Okay, so you would say then that, um, um, you know, combining all those beliefs and practices uh in, had a big influence yeah. on on what we look at now as norse paganism oh yeah I, iceland was the last place to be settled where like the norse practices and like i want to say like wiccan practices like grimoire magic so you have just coming in and they start doing like the rune staves which don't have runes in them so it's a, a combination really of grimoire magic and jewish mysticism like Kabbalah? Kabbalah, yeah. You get a lot of those Kabbalah symbols from like King Solomon's type stuff. You mix so, okay. that in with like Norse magic. 
So we're talking about sigils. The, yeah, the, sigils, the, yeah. well, they're, all, they're all sigils, but they're, they, they've kind of lost their runic type qualities. They're more sigils, protection stuff, and things out like that rather than runes. Okay. Um, and like 1700 is like the last place to get settled in Iceland before okay. we go off the map. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. So does the goth uh, alphabet have anything? The, 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 the gothic? The, the gothic runes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you, so you go from... Germany, and then they see like the the Visigoths and the other Goths. They had their own runic alphabet, but that got absorbed into the Germanic tribes and Anglo-Saxon. When you start moving, um, they got absorbed into a lot of different cultures because they all died off. They were conquered, so the Visigoths yeah. and the yeah, um, they got yeah. So the you you see the Gothic runes and then Etruscan type symbols mixed in with the Elder Food Park. And then it goes into, if you look at the Anglo-Saxon Futhark, you can see a lot of the Gothic runes and like see, that's what the, I was the Greek say. letters and and the High German type letters. Okay. Yeah. Which makes me think, you know, talking about all this, right? Um, would you call your practice and um, you know Anglo-Saxon, Germanic, all mixed together? Would you say that this is some kind, some kind of like folk magic? It is folk magic, um, based off of like the seers, the Germanic seers that had a mentor, and they would go to different tribes and like use the runes for divination art, like much like a you know the indigenous peoples of this continent would heal the land. So that's like our sister practice like we we take a lot from the indigenous people from siberia and things like that where it's a combination because we traveled you know we met different peoples we combined what we knew and with what they combined and we moved on so but it is a, a folk type magic what we call it um instead of ostrich because that sometimes has a negative connotation to it um, yeah i know we use foreign say which is the old ways of what our ancestors did and bringing it into more of a more modern revival type practice that has, again, across Indo-European, we share a lot of those types of folk magic and gods that everyone else kind of has within like their pantheons. Okay. Okay. I think that we have enough of history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, do, you, do you feel like there is any rules? Rules? Yeah, rules. No, I... I always tell people there is no right or wrong way to practice with any pantheon. It also goes into like animism where mm -hmm. you worship, you like are respectful of like the land and like the things that live in the land. Like, and then you can get into like the elves or the elves and like the giants, the Yatins or the Huda folk, um, the hidden ones that are like little like fey type creatures. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, it's an internal joke over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, when people come to me, they're like, how do I do an altar? I said, whatever you feel best represents your relationship to the God or universe or whatever you're working with, that's a personal, that's a personal journey. I'm not going to mm -hmm. tell you if you're going to worship Odin, you need mead all the time and a certain candle no it's 
read about those gods and then you practice how you want to practice with them in honoring them. It's not a, a it's not like the Christians only have God and you have to pray to them all the time or like be reverent or you know have all the, oh forgive me for what I did. No, it's a it's a give and take and it's like how I'm talking to you. That's how you can talk to the gods. Yeah, I agree with that. It doesn't there's no I always tell people I'm not gonna gatekeep what I know. I'm gonna mm-hmm. give you what I know and you can do it if you want. Like I there's just no right or wrong way of practicing. Well, and it's kind of like we talked about just before we started. Anything that people would say would be right or wrong is just somebody coming up with that rule it's, somewhere. It's um, There is no one that knows what happened way back when so like to a T. Unhealthy reconstructionism looks like it it's, turns into like a high demand religion and you want to avoid like religion. The you cult. Don't, you don't want to do organized religion within this practice because it has no room in it. Like. I know people worship Odin and Thor and whatever, but there's other gods and they don't, those three, you know, I, I could also ruin someone's day and say, Odin was not the original high god. Baldur was. Before the cult of Odin took over in like 500 AD. Odin didn't exist as the high demand god he is. Baldur was in charge, depending on the tribe though. So okay. again, historically and speaking, for, yeah. and, and for the for the people that don't know, including myself. Um, who is? Baldur is in Norse mythology. He's the one that gets sent to Helheim by being shot through the Achilles tendon by a uh, mistletoe wreath um, plant because Loki had tricked um, Corsetti, guy is blind, blind god, into like shooting an arrow. So he was protected from everything else but the mistletoe. Because <laughs> forget forgot to ask, but uh, he's called the Shining One, which is more he's more of a beacon of hope. He's not like shining as in like sun shining. He doesn't represent the sun. It's more of like a hope beacon for renewal and start and okay. things like that. So what would be the difference between him and Odin? Uh, Odin is well. The book I'm reading, the one I got, Odin has many different names, and he all wasn't always the one when I got. There's no historical representation of him until like 700, 800 of him having just one eye. Um, that's where Christianity stepped in with the Norse practice. But Odin is just a, a, a god of, of magic and knowledge and the wanderer. Um, Do you know where the term old father came from? Um, that started in Anglo-Saxon. Uh, well, there's practice. that um, there's that poem right where he Odin goes and takes so, out his eyes. Uh, the mirror, yeah. Well. yeah, yeah. But that's that's yeah. more of Norse, and they start calling him the Allfather then. But before that, he has several I, different names. It's not like ever. in the poem, you know, like yeah. it's always like, "Have you learned enough, Old Father?" Mm-hmm. So it's like they call him Allfather because he's in Norse practice and mythology. He is the one that breathes life into Ask and Emla, which is Ash and Elm, the mm-hmm. like almost like Adam and Eve type beginning. So yeah, yeah. He brings owned, which is breath, into the world, which is why they call him all father, because he's all he's the father of all. Okay. Okay. So that would be in the in perspective of uh, for example us, like uh humans and practitioners. Well if you want to get into it. Yeah, I am. I am getting into it. <laughs> Heimdall is the father of all humans. Okay, Heimdall. That's what yeah. I thought. Okay, 
So it's a, like I said, there's a lot of misconceptions, misconceptions and, and things like that when you get more into Norse practice because it's, they, ha they wanted to set things in boxes so we had a better idea rather than have it like before that. So, uh, what was the, the name that you mentioned? Uh, Bethor? Bethor? Balder? Balder. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, Balder basically was like the, for for uh, interpretation, like he was like the boss. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, Odin. Just became more popular after the cult of Odin. Yeah. So, he sees everything. Yeah. Right? Was Balder the one that was um, like God when there was like no mountains or earth or No, that was Ymir. Ymir is, oh. Ymir is the, the very beginning of like the big giants. So does Balder come after him but before Odin? Norse mythology, I don't. So there, like I said, I, I read a lot and there's books. And if you, you there's lots of books you guys can read. There's one I got, there's just, there's books before Norse practice. Um, Swain Wodening writes a lot and Anglo-Saxon type stuff. So if you guys want to look at that, I'm not just spouting crap here, right? I learned from my 30 you know, plus years of my mentor practicing that they have all these books and things that they give me and that there's a lot of stuff before Norse mythology that talks about it. Yeah, and, and like, like we were talking before, you know, um, we started recording, uh, you said that, uh, you know, there, there is a group of let's just say North, Norse practitioners or um, they follow that path that the, they're trying to reconstruct. So the, the difference between reconstructionists and revivalism is the reconstructionists um, typically recreate old Norse religious practices um, accurately. They try and do it accurately to what our ancestors did. Um, and then revivalism is like seeking to revive old Norse but bringing it more into like a modern type revival. So we have like the modern day and what our ancestors did, but bringing it here. So more people have access to it. Okay. Um, but like, and I, and I say reconstructionist, um, it, both of them have negative, obviously. Uh, we all do. You can go too far on one or the other. We, right? Yes. Human. Yeah. And we're all human. It's the human aspect of things. So yeah. I'll say what my, Gothi and Elder says to me all the time, we don't know how our ancestors practiced because that was 200 AD in the Bronze Age, right? In Germany somewhere in the Rhine. Before the Romans, anyone that conquers gets to tell history, right? Mm -hmm. So the Romans... Their version. Tacitus wrote about the Germanic tribes and the Celtic tribes, but he did it from a, a, a place of... So Tacitus is a, is a scholar, a Roman scholar. And he took what he saw from the Romans about the Germanic peoples and, the, and then changed that to fit their narrative, right? Mm -hmm. So before that, we only have like standing stones of like from like 700 AD from like Norse practices, like the standing stones of like Sweden and stuff like that, like historically. So I, we don't know how they did. We try to do it the best we can in the modern day because we don't live in the woods. We don't have longhouses. It's modern. So we try to gain knowledge to just do better than our ancestors or take what we learned from them and go forward. That's what it is. Yeah. I, I can definitely understand that. I think that that goes in the majority of all, but right? The whole um, spiritual practice. My all word practices. isn't, you know, I, I say this because it's how I learned, but I also keep 
my mind open to other things that I want to learn. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, that's not my standpoint. I'm not saying anyone else that practices a different way is wrong. Yeah, and, and that triggers a question. Yeah. Um, can Norse, not practitioners, but Norse gods play well with others? Yeah, because the Norse gods came from the Germanic gods. So you have the Germanic, and they go into like Anglo-Saxon, and they have like a, this parallel between Anglo-Saxon and Norse gods of their different names, but they all have... But there, there was more, more gods before, and now, so it's like asking if the Greek gods play well with others. It depends on who you are. You know, I want to reference, you know, Hecate. She was never originally a Greek goddess. No, nope, no, nope, she's she, not. She was adopted from different cultures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, it's the same thing with Norse gods. They all have a beginning somewhere. Every god does. Mm-hmm. We don't know what their actual beginning was and so people are like oh well Thor doesn't play well with this I'm like you have you have Tor you have Donner whatever and you have Indra in India that is the exact same conception of of Thor same with Hercules in Greek same with you know Romus Invictus and it goes on from Germany to like Poland yeah they're all the same just different names so they I think they get along with everyone. Just that's your own personal perception of whether or not they do or not, right? Yeah, because I, I I hear a lot, you know, uh, practitioners say, "Oh, you know, um, we don't call on 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 the Norse deities because you know they don't mix well with uh, who we're working with." That's a very Christianized way of seeing it. I would agree. I've actually heard quite a few people reference the fact that they work as a witch with, you know, say Thor, or, you know, they call on them. I don't know if that's their main deity or if they have a main deity, you know, because some use multiple deities for multiple occasions, but I've heard that it referenced that they have used that before and they didn't say that they had any issues. Well, at least from my, from my perspective, I've mm-hmm. never called on any Norse deity, right? Not because I don't like them, it's because I don't know them well. Mm-hmm. You know, my so, path, like, yeah. my right. path had, has not lead me that way, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I, 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 when I think about a, a god or a deity or a goddess, right? Uh, if you call on them, it's not for for a spell. It's not for because they're gonna do it for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you are merely one one that got to witness what you're doing. Or, or some yeah some sort of support, support right but it's not for the spell the spell you do the spell you're doing it you you're better, doing you better it. be or else you know exactly it's not gonna work out exactly um so along those lines mm-hmm. right um do they have problems with each other when you know like if you i mean if you read the mythologies they do sometimes but i I want to bring up the, there's a story where Thor, Loki, and Thor's manservant end up in the land of the giants, Jotunheim. Mm-hmm. And they get to this big castle and they go through all these trials and, you know, the manservant is trying to race against this other type individual who is faster than him and whatever. And, you know, Thor has a drinking contest to see how much he can drink from anyone else. And Loki has like 
about speed and things like that. When you get to the end of that story, it turns out that all those beings are like, so racing against fire that can eat more than someone, right? The elements and, you know, Thor almost drinking an entire ocean and having everything be barren. The, the, the king of the giants, the Jotuns, stops him and says, you're worthy, but we want you to leave because we know what you can do. And it, a lot of that stuff comes from, if you take out of that whole story, it's about being humble. The king of the giants is like, okay, I witnessed Thor and, you know, Loki doing this with his manservant. and you guys are equal to my giants and, like, the elements, if not more. Leave Jotunheim and never come back. Whereas, I mean, if the king of the giants wanted to kill him, he could have, right? Like, it... Does that Loki join the giants? Yeah, so they... Loki is a fire giant. Thor is half giant. Odin is giant, like... We have these stories to tell us that like we can't hate something just because it's different or they mm-hmm. practice it different. That's what yes they infight because they're all siblings or whatever but and they do stupid stuff to each other like Thor and Loki stealing Freya's cloak to go and like have this wedding without Freya because she told them to like basically F off when they asked her for help to get Thor's hammer back. Which is fine. I mean, they've lived a long time so they're not going to put shit anymore mm-hmm. from each other but they do like the purpose of all the gods is not to like have them fight against each other and when you get into the story of the Vanir and the Aesir fighting historically we look at that as like two different tribes fighting and trying to fight each other like that's how we looked at the very first tribes beginning is the Aesir and the Vanir fight in this giant war end up having people die and like they have like people that are captured but that again that's in mythology Norse and you have like a lot of stuff in from Christianity that kind of messed it up a little bit. So you have to look behind all that and be like, no, no one hates each other. And, and out of curiosity, do you work with any specific Norse gods so I, or goddess? I want the Wanderer. I I follow Odin, so I call him the Wanderer. I call him the Wanderer because that's more of his knowledge-based form. He's in his cloak, his staff, his tools. Um, I also work with Hel. Hel gets a very bad rap because of Norse mythology. They, they, they made her out to be more like Lucifer or how Hades gets a bad rap in Greek mythology because he's the king of the underworld mm-hmm. or Persephone. Anyone that has a death goddess or deals with death, they always get a bad rap because of how Christianity treated them or how we grew up thinking Christianity. And so I work with Hell. I, I like to say she is a the mother of all introverts because she's very introverted, but she's also very caring. Um, and I visit her often. I also work with Freya and Frigga, so, and, and any other god that, like, you know, I started working with Santa Muerte, so, mm-hmm. or Hecate, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever it calls to you, and whatever your path follows you to, so, but they are a very big support in my life. I do the work, obviously, but when I am like, hey, I need a little bit of help, and sometimes they'll kind of push you along just to give you, like, a little extra push. Yeah. Um... Are any of the gods, would you say, uh, jealous when you work with another god? Not that I... When I first started practicing, people were like, oh, you just got to be careful because this god or this god. I'm just like... My perception changed after that, though, because I'm like, that's that's a that's a me thing, thinking that they're jealous of me working with someone else. That's a, jealousy is internal, regardless of where it comes from. It's an internalized thing that you have to work through. Um, but no, they don't. I mean, I have a 
a shelf that has Egyptian gods on it, you know, or my friends that are Hellenistic and Egyptian, they, it doesn't matter. Like there's no jealousy. I guess that's only how you perceive it to be and how you feel, but I can't interpret what the gods feel because the gods, I guess it's not for me to interpret. No, that. no, I, I know. I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Is that we, we we hear some so many times like you know this God would not. I, I, I at least from my experience, I'm going to tell you about my experience, yeah, right? Uh, for example, and this is is more with 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 Celtic, with Celtic tradition, right? Uh, the Morrigan, for example. I know that the Morrigan. She's also very skewed. Yeah, I'm a guy. I no, love, I love working with her. You know, um, that's you know, that's one of the things that I the, the first time that I actually not try to connect but felt her presence. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, okay, I will step back. Yeah. Right? Uh, it actually has been I want to say this the only time that I felt like a, a deity go like stop there. That's that's probably connecting to them and. That's your how you perceive mm-hmm. that to be, and I just said, I I don't ever I tried once working with mm-hmm. voodoo gods, and that's voodoo and voodoo is not for me. And I no, that's that. completely. I learned the that's very different. Like, okay, yeah, that's not for me. So I stopped. You know, that was when I was mm-hmm. younger and mm-hmm. things like that. So, what would you say for you is? An example of how you practice. What would what would if we were to say what is does your practice look like? What would you say? That would just be to put it down to like really simple terms that I am like this little tiny speck compared to like nature or you know it's a just being like mindful of like where you're at relationship wise to what you practice like. I also, it, it more, it was more of like getting myself, like I internally for my personal self working on that. Cause when you start spirituality, you come to these roadblocks where you actually need to work on yourself. There's no getting around it. Um, oh, wait, what, what, what was that? Shadow work? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, what okay. Work, yeah. Um, you know, and I, what my practice is, is, is bettering myself and if people bring pieces of knowledge that. I didn't have before and it, what I know is wrong or different from that, I'll read into that and then I'll adapt to that. As it, it's about changing constantly, but also as a, as a seer and a seder, um, our job is to work in the dark, to bring light to things that people may want to find, right? The knowledge, the, mm-hmm. the secrets of all of your ancestors. And we're, we're the knowledge keepers, basically. And okay. we, we take that knowledge and we find people and help them. and on their path and even if it doesn't align with my path i'm not there to gatekeep that information mm-hmm. my knowledge that i have does no good if it just stays in my brain Ooh. it doesn't it doesn't do anything and i i'm constantly trying to learn more because once you put a period at the end of i know everything you sell yourself short on so many different things and like miracles and and growth um, so i always tell people a lot i'm I practice. I'm a practicing heathen um, because I'm constantly changing and growing in different ways and knowledge. Nice. So what are the practical aspects of that? I mean, do you do like daily ritual work? Do you do, do you do spell work? Do you, I mean, what, um, what is I do runes. So I do read the runes, but the reading, reading the runes teaches you more about yourself than you'll ever know. Like it's a, 
definitely internalizing. It's seeking the runes and internalizing the runes. Uh, so, but it's more of just like meditating to get to the point where I am out of my head. You know, my human brain sometimes takes over in the world. And I do meditate at night sometimes. And in meditating, when I say that, it doesn't mean that you sit cross-legged and try and fire my brain. It's that's not sitting. It's one form in, of meditation. Yeah, we'll go with form. that. It's sitting in front of your altar, however your altar looks, lighting a candle just to be in that kind of mindset of having it there. But then just like talking to your ancestors or the gods, like you can have conversations with them. It's, it's being aligned with nature and the gods and knowing that like you're all part of the same thing right okay and you have a kindred correct i do have a kindred what what is i i I know that you have done rituals here at the shop so i know that you as a kindred also have rituals what types of things are those so i just like the the basic like solstice type rituals so some will and look for like midsummer or ostara um, eostre so ostara eostre um, that's the goddess of spring and renewal so that's where easter comes from so anything that the Christians practice came, like we, we practice them before the, the pagan type rituals. You know, mm-hmm. you, know, you have. Are you saying that the Christians stole stuff? God, no. All the time. No. Um, harvest home. Uh, and my, my kindred, we practice all those because we, you know, we have three different elders. We have my Germanic Anglo-Saxon that's practiced for 30 plus years. Um, the Celtic elder who is practiced a little less than him, and then I have my Norse part, like kindred. Mm-hmm. We're a smaller kindred because you know sometimes things happen. But we, what we do, as far as like rituals, when we come together, we have what's called a shared, you know, orlog or um, weird, so weird fate, whatever. We're sharing that with one another and promises of like, for the greater good of the group, we grow in knowledge and like avoid infighting and if we have issues we talk about them um so it's it's more what my elder said it's more about community and growth than it is you know and spirituality than it is like about worship it's interesting like okay those things okay um, we do a lot of anglo-saxon heathen like rituals which a lot of those come from beowulf so if you wanted to read a book it's like in the middle somewhere where they have some little It'll tell you exactly what goes on for symbol and more of that that some that particular thing where people do blow up symbol that comes from Anglo-Saxon, the Beowulf poem. That's okay. where it started originally from. So we try and go off of that, but we make it our own. You know, it's not verbatim word for word when we do a, a ritual. It's out in the woods, being with nature and letting that kind of like connection to whatever is there have you speak those words. It's different every time. I'll be honest. Interesting. Okay. So if someone were interested in furthering their knowledge on your practice, first of all, what books would you recommend for them? A few. Um, If you want to learn more about like death practices, Mm -hmm. I would read The Road to Hell um, by Jan Fries. It's a a great book. It's, It's kind of like a textbook type thing, but she goes into like, all the death practices from why, you know, when we went from mounds to like, you know, the Celtic mounds and things like that to being buried in the ground and switching from north to south to east to west, that type of thing. Like how okay. Mm-hmm. 
the burial type ways. Um, uh, if you want to learn more about Anglo-Saxon and, and Norse gods, Hammer of the Gods by Swain Wodening. We'll go through rites and rituals. Um, it'll go through parts of the soul. Um, it will do like death work. It does also like birth rites, wedding rites, things like that. It talks about all the gods. So it has like the Anglo-Saxon word of the god and the Norse god. Okay. And it, it's like, there's tons in there. Um, anything by Swain Wodening or Eric Wodening helps. Um, Jackson Crawford, if you wanted to learn more about the Norse parts of like the Eddas and the like history of, you know, things like that. He has lots of good things because what Jackson Crawford did is he made it easier to read the Eddas, the Bodic and Prose Edda and the Havamal because he, if you read them from direct source from, from Snorri Stolson, he's a little bit of a dick in that like he's very sexist um things like that i also want to say if you read the havamal take it with a grain of salt because there's a lot of patriarchal type verbiage in there that makes women seem less than the man just as a fyi so like basically with any type yes. of book that you're reading take what works and ignore the parts I, that... and i always want to say if you're reading one thing and you come across a source if that source has three other sources to back it up, that's typically what you want to look for. Two or three sources is what I recommend for anything that you come across on the internet. Um, they can also reach out to me because I have, off the top of my head, I, there's there's just so many books that I have at home that I sometimes forget about. So you can find me on Instagram, you know, Brittany Hill Falls Daughter. And I, that information is for free. I'll give out book information for free every day, all day to help people find what they're looking for. Good. Yeah, that was one other question I was going to ask is where do people go to find out more information locally? They can email me, message me on Instagram, um, and I'll send them in the right direction. You know, it's, there's a lot out there that people can read and PDFs or whatever. I'll send them a PDF if they really want it. Or they can ask me because I've done all the work with the books if right. they don't feel like they want to read. What about um, runes? Because... There's a lot of Diana Diana Paxson, um, taking up the runes. Speaking of runes, side note, interjection here. She's going to be doing a master rune work class coming up Friday. on Friday. So exactly. if those of you who are interested, give us a call. Get signed up for this class. She's going to be going. It's a two-part class. She's teaching everyone how to, how to read the runes start to finish. You're going to get all the backstory. You're going to learn how to read them by the time you leave. So get signed up. So yeah, Diana Paxson is a great place to start. She's a she's a great lady. Um, I've talked to her a few different times, and she's mentored me on some things. But it's good to know because like just trying to learn them online, there's just so many. She's, like, this one means this. She like, takes say that one meant that she one. takes probably about thirty different authors and people that have written things and processes and compresses that into her book. So you you know she'll do different views on what people have written, and then she'll do her own view. And so you can take like I said. There's no right or wrong way to do runes because there's. That's what it kind of comes down to. Lots I think of different ways. You read your stuff and then yeah. kind of decide how you interpret. How you want to do it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've tried to learn like the core word and then kind of expand like, the meaning my, from there. My class, I'll go. I'll go through the Germanic word, the Anglo-Saxon, and the the Norse word, and like what we have be called Galder, which is when you would 
and, and tone the rune into, but make the shape of the room as your body. So you're getting to know the rune personally, because all the runes have personalities. So very cool. Very cool. That's cool. So nice. for, for, for you going? No, I'm, um, for, for someone that is, you know, beginning, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily the book, but what would be your advice that not necessarily is read a book. When I say, when somebody wants to be more practical, mm -hmm. what would be your advice? To throw the organized religion rules out the window because nothing, there are, there are a set of rules for, for practicing. Like if you want to know more about a God, read that God, read about the God. And it could be something simple. It could be starting out like, oh, I want to start an altar. I want to like get to know the you know ancestors more. It's more of just being changing your mindset daily to being like, oh, I can connect to them instead of like limiting yourself to things that you you believe or like, oh, I can't do this. So just changing that mindset and like, you know, I I did, and then finding someone that you can talk to that won't gatekeep from you and telling you how to do it. I'm not going to tell you how to practice mm -hmm. or how to do something. Else. None of us get to, right? No, because it's your own personal path. Right? Okay. I just, it, it's just more of changing that mindset to like connecting a little more to the spiritual side of things instead of just being human, like running nine to five all the time. I agree with that. Um, so if, if somebody would like to, like you said, an altar, mm -hmm. What would, what would be uh, uh, the tools or items that you would place on an altar? There's lots of different versions of that. Um, there's no like specific candle. There's no, you know, I, and, and some of my altars I have, I picture me and my, my elder um, have little statues of different gods. I, it's whatever you feel like for you specifically giving to that God, it comes from you. It's your intent. So you put whatever you want on those altars for you. are like, Oh, I feel like did like this, put that on there. There's no wrong thing to put on the altar, um, you know, dried flowers. If you find something like a little acorn, you're like, I found this acorn and I want to give it to this God or my ancestors do that, you know, or like if you wanted to have like an altar for, the hidden folk and like the Buddha folk outside, like the land whites, the land spirits. You know, I hear a lot of times they like chocolate or spirits or milk or honey. And just, it's your intention behind what you want to give them that it was, which which makes your altar. There's no, you have to have this facing north with a horn or like a candle or like you have to, you know, there again, that's putting yourself in a box doesn't help you grow if you limit yourself to things. Okay. So you would say <laughs> Just not reminded limiting. me of the quote, nothing is real, everything is permitted. So okay, just kind of follow your own intuition so, when yeah. I always tell people your intuition comes from your gut, not your head. <laughs> your head shuts off your intuition. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. If you feel it's right in your stomach when people make decisions and what does your gut say? And they're like, oh this I can go with that typically where or if you feel like a connection to something specific like you know stephanie likes apples 
hell. She likes Apple. She likes anything really that just the attention and like paying them attention is what they like and showing them that you have this mutual respect for one another. That's really what it is. Okay. Um, so you would say it has nothing to do with North, South. <laughs> it's wherever you can put an altar and where you see it most of the time and you can make, it's just coming out of your mindset most days and like, oh, my altar's there. And like, oh, I see that. Whatever I put on there and that God or goddess is there. Like, it's just remembering that you have it there. So it puts you more into like both rather than like forgetting about it, you know. Somewhere you can see it is just what I recommend. Somewhere that you can you, you see it so you can interact with it. That's... Your, your own space where you feel at home is what I like to see. If you can find a space in your room, somewhere you feel comfortable away from the world, that's where you, so, so it, you can make it your space. Do you have a separate ancestral altar? Or is that something um, that is combined typically? Or so it, it, it's combined. Like I do com combinations. Like I have, you know, friggin' Freya on one. But I also have hell on that one. I have my own like ancestral like I have hell, but I have like graveyard deer on that one. And then I have shelves that have like Balder and Odin or Thor and you know Ymir, Scotty and you know Frere. Like it doesn't. There's no right or wrong. So you know, l let's twist this a little okay. and let's talk about a specific god. Okay. I want to talk about Loki. Right, because I, I've, I've had clients, you know, that sit in front of me, right, and then, um, you know, they they tell me, no, well, I'm working with Loki, I'm doing things with Loki, um, and they all they always point out the only thing that I've heard about Loki is that he's a trickster. The only thing that I've heard, yes, you know, there's other things, but that's like. What everybody says. You know, it, 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 outside of Norse mythology, Loki's name doesn't ever pop up. It's just specifically in Norse because they wanted someone to play the devil. Is really what he was manifested as. But as far as Loki, he has a name outside of Norse, but we just don't know what it is. So there's always gods that have names outside of something mm -hmm. that were changed into something else. Loki is a fire dragon, first of all. Mm -hmm. um, he's not blood brothers with Thor, he's blood brothers with Odin. So Odin and Loki are pacted as like oaths as blood brothers, but they're not actual brothers because Loki is a fire giant. Mm -hmm. You know, the land of um oh what is it? My brain isn't working, but where Suter, you know, Suter is and stuff like that. So I, I just and when they're like, yeah, he's a trickster god, I'm like, well, what are all trickster gods good at? They, they offer like a balanced, like neutral chaos where they do something which produces something that was for the betterment of like, so if Loki hadn't like messed with the dwarves when they were making the contest of like the gods' mm -hmm. weapons and things like that, they never would have gotten Mjolnir. You know, the short handle where Mjolnir comes in and he has a short handle, but it can be put on a necklace and that's where Mjolnir on the necklace comes from is that it can be shrunk with that necklace you never lose it. He's necessary, much like the coyote or, you know, the Anansi, the spider from, you know, Africa. Yeah, always a means to an end. Yeah, they're, they're necessary. Um, Loki also points out a lot of time when he's drunk to the gods, he, when they're all having that banquet, he comes in and says all their faults. 
that whole story of Loki coming in and saying, like, well, this is your secret, this is your secret, he's pointing out that the gods aren't perfect and they all have faults. So he's necessary in us learning that the gods are not perfect and they're faulted for little things that they've done when that happened. So he's not just a trickster, he's necessary. You know, and he brings about Ragnarok and things like that. We wouldn't have Fenrir if we didn't have Loki because or Slepnir. Like Odin wouldn't have this eight-legged horse if we didn't have Loki turn into a female horse and produce that that, that <clears throat> animal. Because Loki was father's father, right? Loki has a lot of children. He also has like four different wives. So he has a giant tusk as a wife. She guards Helheim a lot of time. And just there's a lot of things that are produced from Loki. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but he's one of his children. Yeah. yeah. He has like eight children. Well, the, not more. I wanted to ask because we tend to hear specifically. Not only Loki, but specifically with other gods too, right? Like, like, oh, this. He's a trickster. That's the only thing, right? And and oh, okay, you know, I, you know, I can, I can understand, but I, I don't think that that's the only thing that, for example, Loki or any other god, but you know, we wouldn't have the the wall around Asgard without Loki, like he to protect from the giants, you know is necessary and creates things that end up benefiting the gods afterwards you know like Sif's golden hair he tore out all of Sif's hair and ended up going to the dwarves to get them to create hair for her and she has the golden hair now so that's type of the thing where she's recognized for yeah yeah um would you say that um the practice has humanized those gods this depends on who you're talking to. But yeah. I think in some aspect that the gods are we if you were to quote Christianity or made in the image of the god, right? And a lot of the times we were made given life by gods, but at the same time they are very faultish and make mistakes and so you could look at them as human like. Almost like on the same level. And I know people are getting mad about that, but when I talk to the gods, I know I respect them, but also like I, I talk to them on the same level. Like mm -hmm. I, I am not beneath them. I'm not this tiny insignificant thing. And people are like, well, you need to be special to have a god talk to you. And it's like, or you can feel like you're special and talk to that god. It doesn't have to be, you know. That's very, very Christian. Some more dangerous. That is very Christian. Yeah. That is yes. very, very. Anyone Christian. can talk to a god, and the god will talk back. And just having a mutual respect. No, um, I think that um, you know when it, when it comes to deities, at least with you know um, um, my perception, right? Um, deities can be you know yeah faulty definitely, mm -hmm. um, but also with not a lot of interest mm -hmm. in the things that we do, unless we actually are doing an offering or we mm -hmm. call to them, right? Because the same way that we you know, we feel like, oh, you know, yeah, this is a deity. I don't, I don't need you for this. The deity look at you the same way. Like, yeah, you know, I'm a god or I'm a deity, right? Uh, but I really don't need you. You know, yeah, we can interact. But it's, it's not like a necessity. No, it's not. So you would say the same way. They don't want us to rely on them for every little thing like Christianity does. We're not seeking to be better through them. We're seeking to better ourselves with, with their support 
at some points in our life where they'll just be like, I want to see you do it type of a thing, because I know you can. That's what they're there for. They also have the human aspect of also being wanted. Like, they, they want our attention. Oh, definitely. Because they, you know, what else are they going to do with themselves? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you something. It kind of, like, went out of my head. So there are some, like, very, um, I want to say, little things that people believe that you have to do or have, um, you know, for you to practice, like, Norse paganism or whatever, you know, connects to that term, right? Um, my tribe, it was for, forbidden for you to cut your hair unless you cut it with a coconut, right? I will, I, 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 I'm, I'm damned regarding my tribe because I've never do that, right? But um, there are things like that that I've heard from uh, some, some from Norse pagans, or a few, not everybody. I don't want to generalize, right, from, from a few, like the beard. Every man has to have a beard. No, right? No, I don't know where they're picking that up from. That must be like a more modern, again. I'm going to tell you where. I used to work at a hotel, right? And um, there, there were some 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 of us that worked there that we were pagan. We still pagan. And one of them was, no, I have a beer because of religion. It's a very important thing. Yes, it is. But because of freedom of religion, they didn't have to cut their beer. So they, they use it as a mouse to get away with stuff. Yeah. Yes, they do. But I, because I do not follow this path, I felt the need to ask that question. Typically, Norse Scandinavian people, they were very clean people. They, they have beards during the winter to keep warm, mm -hmm. but they were very well-kept individuals, like historically speaking. They, they bathed, they brushed their hair, you know, they trimmed their beards, they did stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, which never... brings me, I'm, I'm so happy that you mentioned hair. <laughs> so, um, you know that we've heard uh, a few people, and I know that I'm probably going to trigger some feathers with this one. Um, when we're talking about Drex, the, the Drex law, right? The dreadlocks? Dreadlocks, that's it, right? Uh, is, is that something that also was part of the, for example, uh, at least for, for, you know, like Germanic or Anglo-Saxon or Danes? You... So dreadlocks are more of an ethnic type, specifically to like that, the particular people that, you know, ethnic-wise and like culturally-wise. In, in Celtic and Irish practice, you have what are called fairy locks. They're similar, but fairy locks aren't, they're done by just twisting like stuff around. So you, they're not dreadlocks, they're fairy locks. It's, so keeping your hair out of your face is what a lot of the, the, the Celtic tribes did because, you know, Mm -hmm. They often didn't have water or they just wanted their hair out of face. But I, I've never, in any of my readings or anything like that, come across that Vikings or people that are Norse had dreadlocks. I, they might, again, do the twisting with their hair but and putting it back in, like, ponytails, but it's never been anything that's been, like, and has, a, has a purpose. What about when... The, Shaving the head. Yes. <laughs> that's a more modern thing. 
Oh, okay. Um, we don't have any historical evidence of people shaving well, heads. I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I'm going where, where I'm going uh, what, where I'm going with this is that um, um, I know people personally um, that believe that uh, Norse pagans or people that follow kind of that that line and that belief are racist. Well, I want to counterpoint that with doesn't every practice or religion have some form of racism in it? So oh. as we look at like every form of humanity. Some like if oh, I'll start with like the indigenous native people. Yeah. Okay. Native peoples of America. They struggle by letting sometimes they and it's totally understandable that they don't want white people practicing what they practice because of what they did to them. Same when like you've had racism in Celtic culture. Um, people they didn't want people outside of Celtic belief to practice. And then like what it is is you had Hitler borrowing one of our symbols, right? And, yes. And I will say that what we call people that are more racist in heathen practice, we call them folkish. And there's a very thin line of folkish of where you're folkish, you believe where we come from, like folk-wise, that those people can only practice what you practice. So if I, a, you know, a, a black man wanted to come to them and be like, I want to practice you guys because I have, you know, ancestry. And they're like, well, no, your, your skin, right? Like, what makes you think <laughs> you can practice? Well, and I want to say to people, we just have to do better, but we also have to remind ourselves that we traveled so much everywhere. We went to Africa, we went to Siberia, we were included in the Huns, you know, the Scythians. And then when you have people that were on Viking ships, they were not just Norse people. They were Danes. They were, you know, African people. They were from all different continents. And when I say Viking, that is a job description. Not a, not a not, path. Not a culture. Mm. Okay. It's not anything to do with ancestry. It is um, to be a very like rough term they are a lot of times trading but also like pirate type stuff Doesn't oh yeah literally mean traveler or yeah, it's a travel it's yeah like the way of the traveler is a book if you want to have like that's a really good historic book to look at like the viking age the way of the traveler it's great but uh yeah um we just have to do better is what i'm getting at do better don't be racist <laughs> so i have all the questions about that because I, 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 there's so many people, uh, like Brandy just said before we started recording again, the push. The narrative of racism in Norse paganism. In Norse paganism. So you would say that um, Norse paganism is open to anybody that wants to learn? Yeah, yeah. I, I myself am, you know, LGBT plus IA. Uh, my, the Celtic elder I practice with, he's a, a gay man. Like it, I'll put it this way. Our ancestors, because they didn't live very long, they slept with whoever they wanted to sleep with. It's not until you get into Christianized Norse practice where they start, like, you start seeing, like, the practice of, like, Sether, like, what I do, or, like, you know, Vicky or stuff like that where men start to practice. They make those things evil, like, the connotations of those words evil. They make them horrible. What they're doing is a, you know, 
it's hard because I even I stopped wearing my my Mjolnir out of my shirt because people assume that when they see the hammer that I'm a racist. And I can tell you, you're not. Absolutely and not. I, and I, you know, it's about being inclusive and people finding a home within their community, and that's what we are. Like, you know, they have they've stolen all these symbols from us. They, you know, they stole the swastika, which originally was a, a symbol of peace. Yes. The same with like, and I'll tell you, there's symbols out there that are horrible that are, that represent like you know racism. Um, like the black sun. The black sun is has nothing to do with anything in practice. The black sun is a, a Nazi symbol wholeheartedly. Okay. So you just and like there's runes, so like if I were to so if I were to give you like Ophala, but if I were to give it legs like that, that is a Nazi symbol. They've really taken, they've taken things. So yeah, Odal with its legs pointed up, it becomes a Nazi symbol. Um it's just about educating yourself and asking the right questions, but also like knowing that as far, if you go back far enough in your ancestry, you're going to have someone that mixed with different races. Yeah. So you would, would you say that the people that push the narrative of Norse pagans mm -hmm. being racist, they are using Christian ta tactics? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Nazism and Christian tactics to control the narrative and, and have, or they feel like they have a right to say it just because of, you know, to hide behind that religious mask. Um, so know. there is no purity complex within I, the Norse. I am not even, there's, like, you go back far enough in my ancestry, and I was like, no, I'm not, there's no pure. There's not even, even if you were born here, you're still not pure. I don't think there's pure in any race. No, 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 they're point, not. Well, there, there's one, one race. And what race? Is uh, the Jewish people. The Jewish people. The Jewish, like the, the ones that live in this. Yeah, communities. the Hebrew people, the the the, the, the they've been their they own commune. The, the, the they do here. not they do not mix. Okay. They Which don't causes more problems on its own. But yeah, I am willing to bet there have been people that have left that. Oh no, they have, yeah, they yeah. have. But when I, when we're talking about like people that practice like the the spiritualism behind it, right? That Abrahamic faith mm -hmm. that they they they, they see themselves. Raised, yeah, they know? see themselves as uh, as the. And again, we're going back to not Christianism, but uh, Abrahamic, Abrahamic yeah, faith. They, uh, they, they, they see themselves at the, as the, the yeah, thank you. I was looking for the, the 10 tribes, tribes at the 10 tribes and they, those 10 tribes, you know, it's like they were chosen. They do not mix. So there's stuff like that, but like they, they also have their issues, obviously. Yeah. Know? But so does every organized religious practice. Well, and kind it, of it's group. The, it's the narrative period. of people that are Norse paganism that are racist trying to control everyone else just because, you know, they think I, they can. I, I would dare to say not only a minor group of Norse pagans, I would say other practitioners that I have that have nothing to do with Norse pagan have the same belief. Yeah, there, there are. And even people in Sweden have that same narrative as far as being racist, of practicing Norse practice. In Sweden, like, yeah, you don't know how many everywhere. times it's actually really bad there. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, you don't know how many times I've seen it on, on, on different social medias, yeah. you know, like uh, a lot of Norse pagans uh, trying to say, Hey, we are not racist, we yeah. welcome everyone, you know. Um, um, and then you have others that are it's a, it, it almost feels that they want to purify the belief behind it.
right? And uh, and that's one thing about spiritualism. Spiritualism is like that's this that's one of the reasons why I ask you the is there any rules? Because spiritualism shouldn't have any rules. Yeah, well, but but well, well, sometimes we have to. Sometimes we have to. The, the, the more like productive boundaries, yes. yeah. Yeah. Um, um, the, the reason why I'm saying it is because I think that every time that we do something like this, we limit the belief, we limit the the spiritual path, and we also limit the gods, because you're telling me that the, then the pantheon is just four. When if you actually work with gods and you actually have a sense of communion with deities doesn't matter which one you know that deities don't have that that human aspect they, yeah they don't have those humanistic characteristics human, that we place upon oh, yeah, them. our human human selves get in the way of practicing because we limit ourselves because other people say we have to that's just society in general yep and so when people are like oh what do i was like do what you want like but don't hurt anyone in the process. That's really what it is. Like doing something you believe in, just making sure you don't do it to to be a bully to anyone else. Then you, would you say that this is why the term asatru has yeah. that? Yeah. It's it, again. It, yeah. People are like, oh, I'm also sure like, okay, but like, so I try and avoid that word. I'm just, I say I'm heathen. Heathen is just a high dramatic word for the same word as paganism. No, yeah, yeah. Same exact same term, but one's dramatic and one's Latin. So, but people are more comfortable with pagan because it's less white supremacy ish if you say heathen, and because you know the Inquisition, but whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, that 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 would be uh, like a another huge topic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do agree. Uh, I I believe that the word heathen and pagan are they both have the same meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people are just more comfortable with pagan because it's an umbrella term. Yeah. Pagan. Because it's more, it's been well-versed, I guess is the word to use. It's out there a lot more than the term heathen. Yeah. So people are a lot more familiar with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing that I wanted to bring to the table uh, when it comes to this, um, do you think that um I'm, I'm trying to find a nice way to word it <laughs> um but do you think that the people that don't know nothing about norse paganism should stop saying that the norse community is a racist one it's hard because you have what is it there's always the a few bad apples will ruin the whole barrel for everyone, right? Um, True. And so I don't ever, I, I use it, I tell people um, Germanic, Anglo-Saxon, the Norse, because, you know, my my, my Norse elder, he's a, a great guy, very kind, accepting. Um, but if you were to look at him, he has like a ball of head, he wears his, you know, he has tattoos all over him, he has like the, the Mjolnir on his chest, like he wears Mjolnir. If you were to look at him, I'm sure people would be like, oh, he's, he's definitely like, like racist because he's Norse, because of the way he looks. That's, but that, it's in, entirely wrong. Yeah, it is. It is wrong. And I, I think the more people, like your podcast, people hear this, they can start to 
do the research and look in the right places and not assume you know, stereotype stereotype because when i started i told people oh yeah marsh practicing and they're like oh and i see my hammer like oh are you a racist and i was like why is that your first question i was like also you know me like why would you ask if i'm a racist yeah my husband's been accused of the same thing of being racist and he is nowhere I just near think the more people he's just bald gain the knowledge the more loud. we can push <laughs> we won't allow the racism to keep going of like taking back the name Norris practitioner away from the racists and being able to like, oh yeah, I'm Norris and not people have us more you're racist. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would say even disavow, knowledge you know, is, is very powerful. Yeah, yeah. Knowledge is very powerful. And shedding light on it is just going to add more behind it, you know, show that it's not true. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, except for the few little people that, yeah, but yeah, you're but gonna you have your assholes in every exactly. everywhere. everywhere. You've got your racists, you've got your 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 elitists, you've got your whatever's in every culture. You yeah. know, no one is immune to being human and come, having those flaws. They just come from a place of fear. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Are there any authors that you would not recommend? Hmm, that's a good question. Very if good someone question. is wanting to learn, what I always tell people is like, if you get on Amazon and you're looking at an author for a book. I want you to Google them because if you Google an author and you see like if they're like on their Facebook or whatever, and if you see any like any remnants of like, oh, I believe that white people should only practice or they get involved in anything. I, I always do that. I, whenever I find someone's like, I'm going to read this book, but I look at them and I'm like, oh, that's a little sketchy of like your life. So I, mm -hmm. oh, um, I just people that claim norse practice like they're very hard about it like they make it their lifestyle people that make norse practice their lifestyle like the outer look like it's a yeah aesthetics aesthetics you know that push the narrative of like oh i have to wear a mjolnir and this is my kindred but we're all white and i don't want to talk to them about it like just google an author before you buy a book i think that that's a very good yeah. advice yeah. for any Anybody. book like seriously it saved me a lot of trouble for some there's a lot of books out there and a lot of people that have their own personal notes on things, but just Google before you buy a book so you understand where their their knowledge is coming from. Okay. Um, so moving away from that, mm -hmm. right? Because I think that, uh, I, I agree. First of all, uh, we have two Hispanic people here, right? Lisa and me, right? Um, and we have never experienced any kind of racism from the North Spagan community. I've never, so far, never, yeah. right? Um, and, you know, I cannot say that, because I've experienced racism, but it has not been from the Norse pagan community. I have experienced it. But, again, I don't think that should be the presentation card mm -hmm. for the Norse pagan community, mm -hmm. right? But moving away from that, um let's 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 go to the runes real quick yeah. because i know uh like brandy said you have a class coming yeah. right uh what is the difference between all the runes what do you mean like the difference between because you have the you know the elder like the elder the and so i when i first started practicing the runes i thought they had to all be separated and then like if you want to look at it like intellectually wise so you have 
the Elder Gudorkta has with each rune, the, the symbol on the rune dictates like um, they have things attached to them, like, you know, say, I, I think Raita, which is R, it's our rune, um, which is the beginning of the first, the third. That represents like the path and like riding the horse and uh, like going on like a path and a journey, it's a journey room or like a safety room. But it also like has like a, a number and like a, a word, like a, a letter for like writing. It's a, it's an alphabetic symbol. Um, and when you write with the food arc, you only use one. <laughs> so if you're, it's not like English or like how you write with like the Greek alphabet system. You're not like, if I ever spell like, you only use one, one word, one letter for each like thing. So you're not doubling those letters ever. They have like specific things. So that's why you, when you read like, things in runes, they, they're shortened because they're only using that rune for that one letter. Like, I'm not going to put two N's in it with, you know, AWAS. I'm not going to put two AWAS. I'm just going to put one. And then you get to, like, the Anglo-Saxon. That's when they start, like, writing stuff down more. Um, and those like, have phonetic value as well. But you start to lose, like, the symbols a little bit. But I don't want to say that's accurate because all the runes can be used however you want them. They all have different meanings once you get into different food arcs. Like the younger food arc, there's only 16, but they, they you, you were shortened, you take Anglo-Saxon, you condense most of those and threw them into the younger food arc, and that's where you get the 16 from. And they have different symbols, um, but like, that's when you get more of like the writing system of the up and down and like using curves. Like, in the younger food arc, you get curves more than you get straight lines. Okay. So you write with them better that way. That's why a lot of the standing stones have younger food arc on them rather than the elder food arc type stuff. But, uh, you know, and I, there's so many interpretations out there. Like I, I talked to Amy Trade and, you know, she teaches the ruins, but she teaches them like, you can combine them all together and learn different things from them. You yeah. really could. Okay. But it's just, it's, it's how you interpret them and like, People sometimes um, treat them like a tarot. And I don't want to say don't use them like that, but that's not the purpose they're used for. It's not for like fortune telling. It's more of a, you're, when I'm drawing runes, and people throw them, I draw them, depending on the person's energy and what their ancestors tell me from that or whatever wants to speak. It's their internal battle of like what's on the rune and what they need to like work on so it is technically shadow work when you're okay. working with the runes for me anyway okay so um would you say that uh i have a couple of questions you kind of answered already one sure. but um would you call then the the runes uh an alphabet they can be because it when you get into the the Anglo-Saxon food arc, you have Greek letters, you have Etruscan, so Etruscan, the Etruscan alphabet, if you were to look at it, it has a lot of Greek stuff in it, but that was before Greek alphabet was invented. Okay. So Etruscan language runes, the Etruscan runes, are combined with like hydromatic symbols and runes, and so you have those two. There are a lot of people that argue about that scholars and i've read most of their papers 
And they can't decide like fully on which where it comes from. So it's your interpretation of like where you want to take them from, right? Okay. So. But yes, they start to have a phonetic value. Okay. So you said that people treat them as terror. So you you would not. So you wouldn't. Would you say that they're a method of divination? Yes. No. It's a throwing the lot. So you, much like how if you were to throw bones. Okay. Or like witches' runes. Yeah. Similar to that, but like older. It's older. I have a question. I well, kind of a comment too. So I kind of consider the younger um, Buzark more of a language, and if you're wanting to spell a word out, or it's, se- it's, it's more of a more, spelling. It's more for writing than it is writing. for like symbolic. And like the Elder Buzark, I consider it's more almost, symbolic. Yeah, symbolic, yeah. magical. It is because it, it it's more nature based and god based and like you know rather than like the younger Futhark, which they don't talk a whole lot about. Yeah, because a lot of people are like, well, if you want to really write it down, you want the younger Futhark. Because it has more of a sound than it is. There's the sixteen, but each each letter of the the younger Futhark has like three different rooms in it that were combined, so you can use it for those letters. Okay. And what did you mean that people use use them as terror? Oh, just like, like just by their meaning. People like, oh, I'm gonna have a bed. Am I gonna have a baby? And they use it. Oh, kind of like that. And I was like, I, there's no possible way I could tell you that. Like, that's not for me to decide. That's a fate thing for you. Like, I, I'd be like, yeah, you want to have a kid. That's all I'm gonna say. It's like, yeah, you want to have children. No one will say like, oh, you're gonna be pregnant next April. So it's more, they're trying to be fortune telling stuff because people get, you know, tarot. Tarot was never for fortune telling. It's from the Romani. The Romani used yeah. that for divination. Exactly. And then people. And it was and, altered, and by the way. In England, they started altering that to be card games and, you know, stuff like that. So I just, I tell people that they're just older divination tools. You know, okay. whether if you're going to have like a bad harvest or you need to do this to avoid this. It's, it's you know, working with the land. So you would say that the the runes it's more connected when it comes to spirit, yeah, you know, like you mentioned, people. you know, like spirits of the yeah. land, the fae, the, the dead, the yeah. you, you know, all all the all those things, right? More, uh, it's more for that than actually. So, am I going to get a job? That's, you can use that for that, but you're you're just taking the energy from the person. I always ask. Them. Energy-wise, like they use your energy, or you know, it's it's in your fate already. If you wanted a job, your skills give you that job, right? But it also helps people like validate what they already know in their brains mm-hmm. and their gut, stuff like that. And I, I help, I have helped people like, oh, yes, your job will come up soon, but you also have to be doing that work, right, in order to get that job. Oh yeah, I completely agree with that. So um, anything else that you would like? to add to our small conversation just research and do work and then know that there's nothing there's no wrong way to practice as well as like you know, reach out to me um as i have resources beyond myself for other people like if they wanted to reach out you know you know you know you know yeah like glad knows that Yep. If I don't know something i'm going to send you this my network people that i do know that can answer the question yep so. yep i completely agree completely agree so um, um, first of all, uh, I wanna I wanna thank Brynhild 
for joining us. Thank you, dear. Thank you yeah, so we do. Uh, I think that uh, this was amazing. Uh, I, I already told her in one of our breaks that um, we definitely have to bring her back to have a little bit more deep talk on, on, on about things. Uh, but for things to come. Things to come. There we have it. Okay. So because we're not going to be here for the next podcast coming up on the yes. 24th, I'm going to go ahead and give the next two weeks events that we have going on here at the Mystic Frog. Um, starting with on Wednesday, we have a sound bath. They're great. Yes, these guys are yeah. incredible. This is put on by Serenity Yoga by Krista. And this time they are doing um, sigils. Turning motion into magic. Yes, and not only that, they are doing a buy one, get one. So for every ticket that you buy, you can bring a friend. So definitely it's going to be an, a fantastic one. They've been preparing for this for a month and a half, you guys. So I've heard amazing things of what's to come. I'm probably going myself. So I will look forward to seeing you at that. That's going to be at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. Yes. Uh, on Thursday at 7.30, we are having a mystic panel here at the Mystic Frog. We, uh, this is going to be an online event. This is going to be on our Facebook page. Um, it will be live. You'll be able to message in and ask any questions that you have. Um, and this is going to be to, uh, going to be streamed, yes, on the Mystic Proc page, but also uh, I'm going to make sure to uh, on TikTok. do it on TikTok as yeah, well. Yep, we'll live on TikTok. So check it out. Look for that because that's going to be fun. Um, again, we have Bryn Hild's Master Roomwork class Friday at 7 o'clock. Um, that's going to go from 7 to 8.30. That's is the first part of the series. The second one is going to be August 8th. Nope, just kidding, August 4th. So it's gonna be not, it's gonna skip a week and then you'll have the follow-up class after that. So that's again, that's Friday at seven o'clock. Um, then we have our angelology class coming up on the 28th. That is gonna be taught by Will. That class I'm looking extremely forward to. Um, he's going to do a two-part series on that and kind of give you guys an overview on the angelology and how that works. Um, and then we're going to get in some, some more classes with that one later on. Uh, the 29th, we have a couple of things going on. We have a meet and greet here for all the people in Utah County that are just able to come, hang out, meet and greet. Um, you know, I'm going to give you guys a bunch of coffee. Everybody could come, meet each other, hang out, all the good stuff. Um, that's going to be from 2 to 4 on Saturday, the 29th. And then at 5.30, we're going to have a Lenormand class taught by one of our friends out at We Witches 3, Tracy. She's going to come down and she's going to do a Lenormand class. Yeah, Tracy Badger from yep. The Eclectic Muse. Yes, so that's going to be incredible. If you guys aren't familiar with Lenormand, that is another divination system of cards. That I want to learn. I want to learn it. I've, I've done a class. It's intense. It's incredible. I'm excited about it. So um, that's going to be happening, like I said, the 29th, the 30th. You guys, on the 30th, we are having a multitude of things. We are having, first of all, we are having the Pagan Market here at the Mystic Frog. Before the Pagan Market, however, we're going to be having, what are we, it, what? Uh, yeah, um, spiritual service. Yeah, um, it's going to be a Pagan spiritual service. It's going to be from 10 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's going to be from 10 a.m. to 11, mm -hmm. right? We are, uh, I'm going to be hosting it. Um, and it's, uh, I want to say that 
I don't want to say it's like church for pagans. I don't want to say that, right? Uh, it's a spiritual moment that we're going to share together, right? Right. Isn't the pagan market looking to do that at all of their different yeah, events? We are, That's going to we be are, a new addition for each yes, pagan market. Yes. 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 Then obviously, like you said, uh, the, uh, at 11, we have the, the pagan, pagan market, market from 11 to 4. To 4. Then at 5 o'clock, we are having a full moon slash lunasa ritual. Um, it's going to be put on by the majority of us here at the shop are going to be involved in this. It's going to be incredible. Um, after the, that, we're having a potluck. So everybody that wants to come out and hang out and spend some time, come to the ritual, come and hang out for the potluck, get to know some other people and enjoy the harvest. Yeah. Um, and again, for those, uh, who are thinking or asking, so what should I bring? Um, anything that is like, uh, bread, grains, apples, things that are like for the first harvest of, yeah, for the first harvest. Right. Uh, also one of the things that we want to do during that ritual is actually, we want to make the altar as a community. So bring those offerings also for the altar. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be great. I'm looking very much forward to that one. Also, we have a few events going on up with our friends at Crohn's Hollow. We've got their list of events ready to go here for those of you who are in Salt Lake and don't necessarily want to come this direction. Uh, on July 15th, we are past the 15th, we are going to go over here to the 22nd is their next upcoming event. They are having at 8.30 p.m., they are having Raising Magical Children. Uh, for Lunasa and Llamas. Abaracadabra. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the Harry Potter in me. Not part of that. Anyway, so they're doing a Raising Magical Children class. And then on the 26th of July at 7 p.m., we have an introduction to magical tools with and scrying. And I don't know who's teaching that class, but that's going to be happening on July 26th, which is a Wednesday. So... Those of you other shops in the Utah area, if you have events coming up in the next couple of weeks, please email those and I will be happy to announce those on each. And of what is podcast. the email? At, at the house of mystics at yahoo.com. Mystics with an X, M-Y-S-T-I-X. Email those. We'll get them. I will announce them at the end of each podcast for everyone. You can even message the House of Mystics on Facebook. Oh, yeah, there you go. You can message it on Facebook as well. It's easier to have an email format that I yeah. can print off. Just yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. They have other ways to communicate. Yeah, to communicate. Yeah. So, yeah. like I said, send those events. Definitely we'll get them out there because it, we all succeed together. Yeah, remember, this is a community effort. And as a community, we should support each other, support each other and work. Um, and again, I want to thank Brent Hill one more time for joining us tonight. And uh, thank you to all our listeners. And uh, we'll see you on the next. No, you'll hear us on the next. Hopefully, we'll see you soon. Okay, so have a good night. Goodbye. Good night. Bye. Bye.